Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey, everybody. This is Spike Ferriston from Spike's Car Radio. We're out here in the porch of uh, at the Malibu Kitchen at the Malibu Country Mart every weekend doing podcasts. My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here. We're going to have Jeremy Piven. We're going to have Chris Hardwick. See you soon on Spike's Car Radio. I think he's over-projecting for a podcast. <laughs> and I love to over-project for podcasts. Join me every week at podcast1.com and Apple Podcasts. Get it on. Got to get it on. No choice. Make it on mandate. Get it on. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. This is Ace on the, huh? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. The hell show are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. This is uh, CarCast. Madam Crow, that's Matt the Motorator, DeAndre over there. How you doing? My head's got a lot of stuff in it, man. Yeah. Run around all day trying to figure stuff out. And, uh, and meanwhile, you have tile on the brain. Got tile on the brain. Tile on the brain. I'm working on everything. <laughs> working on the house simultaneously. All right, uh, Jr. Granatelli is going to come in. He's the owner and president of Granatelli Motorsports. You might know that name as Uncle Sandy Granatelli. We had a lot of conversations about Andy and when when uh, when Parnelli Jones was in here and the turbine cars and I was talking about Andy on we were we were discussing. Who fills out a raincoat better? He looks like a fat Inspector Gadget. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was Andy Granatelli and those old Tune-Up Master commercials would yeah. fill out that raincoat. Yeah, man. That was, was awesome. I love and, that he had the raincoat. Like, that was the wardrobe decision. It's weird because it's not like... <laughs> <laughs> You think tuning up cars, you think inclement weather conditions. Like uh, when you think about setting a car's dwell, you think rain. You think rain. Like, I, I, I don't know what the connection was, but but I liked it. And also, I'm I hope old, there's a story behind it. I'm old enough to remember when tune up masters, I think what they would do, and it's a lot in a weird way, and I don't know what happened to tune up masters, but it's like saying I had the biggest typewriter repair franchise ever you know what i mean and yeah. it's like yeah but now we don't use a typewriter like there is no you know, i you don't bring a car in and get tuned up right anymore you take you a car doesn't need to be tuned up everything's electric everything you know you, there's no points there's condensers and rotors and you know they do all that stuff but they just hook up a computer now and figure out if it needs something show me the tune-up masters sticker that they would put on every car max pad tune-up masters was so big at a certain point that I swear to God, every third car I saw driving in Los Angeles had the blue and white tune-up what, what masters. What era? What years are we talking We're about We're talking here? about the 70s into the 80s, and they had a, a, a tune-up master sticker that I think they would stick on to the back window of a car. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they'd ask permission. I think they would do it. But they put it on the window, not the paint. <laughs> yeah, they put it on the window. The craziest thing... About the blue and white, as I recall, I haven't seen one in a million years. Obviously, um, might have been before the internet too, because I'm having trouble finding this, <laughs> this photo. Oh, they're gonna find you're gonna find pictures of that sticker. Not somewhere. a lot of uh, nostalgic people taking photos of their tuna masters <laughs> stickers. They were putting them on the they internet. They were ubiquitous. They were everywhere, and everyone had to go get the car tuned up all the time. In a weird way. It's a, it's the, it's, you're missing a simple pleasure. We've removed all of this from life. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there used to be a very satisfying and simple pleasure to going 
I'm going to go down to the auto parts store and I'm going to get four, six, or eight spark plugs. Yeah. And I'm going to get a new cap. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get a new rotor, not the brake rotors. And then uh, I may I may even put a new pair, new set of spark plug wires on it. Yeah. And this move, you get the catalog. You go down the thing. What yeah. rotor do I need? What's the ro- What's the cap? What's the cap? Get the cap. Get the rotor. And then you, you you spend the weekend pulling the plugs out. You look at the you look at the other the plug you pulled out. You go, ah, that's a good thing. Put the new plugs in. Put the new <laughs> plugs in. Put the rotor. Get the cap. And when you turn that key and fire it up the first time. Even if it's absolutely no different than it was no, before, no different before. It's still a sense of oh, it's much yeah. better now. Yeah, and when you drop that car off at uh, Tune Up Masters, and it did go, what did what'd you do? We did the cap, we did the rotors, we had to do your coil wire. Need a new, uh, yeah. n- n- need a new. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the um, what is that weird clay thing that would be on the coil. JR was going to tell us when he when he when he comes in. I don't know, like a resistor. Well, yeah, ballast resistor. We had one of the ballast resistors was bad. Oh yeah, we'll replace a ballast resistor, new coil, new cap. Yeah, new uh, no new ballast resistor, new rotor, and uh, you just go yeah. You fire it up and it feel like something. That is the tune up masters. I had no idea. That to me looks it's like a pledge sticker. Right. It's like a now, how did I know you were going to find that, Max Bata? <laughs> I, you know, I did see it, but I didn't know that's what it was until Jerry I walked in here and I told me. That's I right. There's only one it. on the internet. Yeah. Well, the whole internet. Now, here's a clue. I said blue and white. Did yeah, I not? Yeah. You did. You okay. Did. Yeah. Well, so if it's blue and it's white and it's got a T and an M in it, there's a I chance. It was barely say, a T and an M. I would have oh, thought it was. On. It looks like the Transformers logo. I would have oh, thought. Oh, listen. It's one it of the. Er- it was T. It was Andy Granatelli looks like one of the earliest members of the Wu-Tang Clan with that <laughs> sign, man. <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. It's true. But the blue and the white. That should have made something go off in that miniature brain of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That, that, that aches to rock and roll, man. Yeah. Lynette was like, wow, man. She saw Max Apatis band yeah. playing Loxie. at the bar crawl. Maxie. And she said, uh, <laughs> she's like, that guy. You better get a that whole, domain name. He's a whole different dude on stage. <laughs> and uh, that to me meant super undynamic offstage, where I see you 99.97% of the time. So even though it was supposed to be a compliment, all I heard was super undynamic whenever I see him. Thanks, Lynette. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did she say different or just better? <laughs> just like on stage, he's better. It was he's implied different. that it was a better. It was better. <laughs> it was better, and it was a whole different you that I'll never see or benefit from, obviously, but a whole. Because yeah. that's what you're looking for in your employees. You want them to spring to life when they're not at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any boss will tell you that. What are you looking for most? Is <laughs> where he really <laughs> brings it outside, you that really, outside the office. You want one that really jumps to life when they're not on the clock. <laughs> now, uh, comatose at work, <laughs> out of work. The life of the party. <laughs> now, she had a big, she was like, oh, man, that guy rocks. I said, I know he does. He said, no, he really. Said Boy. Who? I said, look, I think he's been playing a lot, too, man. You got to get reps. The reps make a huge difference with people, right, Max Patton? They really have. Like, I saw a video of us early on, like, before we started playing all these shows, and it's 
a lot more terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. He was far less terrible. That's yeah, what she, yeah, yeah. she described it. Every time you play your set, people should watch like a YouTube video from years ago. That way yeah. you can see how great you guys she are pr- now. She you pronounced you were 65% less terrible. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Let's not be terrible. Let's go with Car Shield, man. Sooner or later, your car's going to break down. If you're lucky, it happens uh, while it's under warranty. But a new engine, new transmission, cost over 5000 bucks. <laughs> no kidding. <sighs> Especially when you put a hole in the side of your Roadster engine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, simple sensors can cost a grand these days. Look, we've we figured out you don't need to go to tune-up masters anymore, but there's a bunch of computers. And when one of those yeah. sensors or something goes wrong, you are in trouble. It always starts there. Get extended coverage. Do what I did. Go to carshield.com. Makes it easy. Select your favorite mechanic or go to the dealership and let them do the work. No checks or waiting for reimbursement. Carshield gets you the mechanic and it gets the mechanic. You get the mechanic. Carshield gets them paid directly. Plus, 24-7 roadside assistance and rental while you're uh, in the shop. So, you need a little something called peace of mind. Let's go with Car Shield. Save thousands of potential dollars on repairs, man. And it is a lot these days. Get the ultimate and extended vehicle service protection. Visit carshield.com slash carcast. Save 10%. That is carshield.com slash carcast. Save 10%. Let's protect ourselves, everybody. It yep. is Car Shield. All right. Uh, let's see. Do we have a question before we bring in uh, Jar? I'm still waiting on calls. All right. Uh, Matt. You yep. went to the uh, auction? I did. I went to Auctions America, which is part of RM Sotheby's, but they do kind of their smaller auctions. It was at Santa Monica Airports, at Barker Hangar. We've been there before. And uh, it was cool. Like, a lot of the cars there were um, a little bit more of, like, the modern supercars, Ferrari, 348s, uh, 360s. Um, we saw a 575 Marinello, which was a gorgeous blue note with red leather. I got I, I, I've got a tell you people's this we're calling it blue note which is midnight blue or night blue but um not sure ferrari calls it blue note yeah it was in the description as that oh it, well, it on so, the card yeah well, it was in quotes though so yeah like- <laughs> i get the feeling they have a different but i will tell you guys this and i've even looked at them myself because i've always dug them i've never squeezed a trigger on one the 355 Ferraris yeah. were knocking on the door of a hundred grand two years ago. They seem to be fifty-five to sixty-five all day long yeah. in nice ones. And what I would do that car in the blue note, like the midnight blue or even a lighter blue, they have a couple, maybe two shades of blue on that car with a like burgundy interior yeah, that's or nice. even a cream interior. Boy, if you could find like single owner, and if you low found mileage, one with a manual with the with the gated shifter instead of the F one transmission, and, and you get found a really nice yeah. example of that for fifty seven thousand bucks, I'd get it. I tell you, the takeaway was was there was a lot of nice cars there, and and Auctions America did well. They did nine point something million dollars, but overall, I would say the market on these cars are excuse me, are down. I think race cars are doing well. I think the collector car market is down a little bit. There's are obviously a few exceptions there. But right now is probably the time to buy. And if you're trying to get into a pretty cool collector car that I think is going to make some money and uh, maybe you can drive. And, I, you know, I, 
I don't want to call it entry level, like what you're talking about, like a 355 or a 348 or something. But in that 50 to 75 range, I think you could probably pick up a nice 348 or a 355. Yeah, I, I drive it for three or four I, years. I don't like the 348 enough, but yeah. I, with the look, here's the deal, everybody. A lot of people don't have 50 grand to spend on a car. I get it, but the problem is, is if you spend eleven thousand dollars on a collector car. In five years, maybe it'll be worth seventeen five or eighteen, which which is fine. But yeah. you've made six thousand dollars. I'd rather find that fifty grand somewhere. Yeah, borrow it, whatever. Get the fifty grand. Get that Ferrari. When the Ferrari in five years passes a hundred, well, each car has maybe doubled in value in five years. In one scenario, you made $11,000. In our scenario, you made $50,000. So that's what I would... Also, you'll get to enjoy the car a bit. And, you know, you'll have to throw a little money into it because it's a Ferrari. But, you know, do your research. Get something right. Get something that's got as as most of the, uh, the maintenance stuff done on it as possible already. And, you know, I think also, by the way, you're like, hey, I got a Ferrari I can drive to Cars and Coffee on the weekends and stuff. You know, instead of your Camry or whatever. Yeah, just wait around and don't look for the... But the know. market is good right now. I yeah. think it's good to buy right I now. I think so, you too. Uh, you want to get JR uh, in here, Max Pata? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but as he's coming in, uh, I want to tell you about Alone. This, mm, this, this TV this show, show sounds nuts, by the way. <laughs> uh, the, That's good. Alone's back for the fourth season with a crazy new twist. The rules have changed. There's 10 survivalists that are still dropped in the, into the unforgiving wilderness, but now it's five competing teams, brothers and fathers and sons and a married couple. Different kind of survival show. Besides their teammates, they're truly alone. There's no camera crews. They film everything themselves. There's no gimmicks. There's no forced challenges. The teams are split. They're equipped with uh, five items each. Uh, I don't really know what those items are, but <laughs> I'm guessing it's not like a jetpack and a time machine, or like a cell phone in a in a, <laughs> a, a brick oven for your pizza. Yeah. Um, uh, to win, they must each they they find each other and survive on North Vancouver Island the longest. That's the whole thing. But the winner takes a half a million dollars. Five hundred grand, man. That's not a bad payday. Oh, you could buy ten three fifty fives now. <laughs> you could tune in all new episodes Thursdays at ten at nine central on History Channel. J.R. Granatelli's in studio. Granatelli Motorsports is his business. They do aftermarket performance parts and accessories and uh, designs and engineering, distributes and stalls. Uh, good to see you again, uh, J.R. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, what a family of uh, racers. Of course, we all know Tune-Up Masters and Andy Granatelli. Was <laughs> Tune-Up Masters everywhere or was it a SoCal thing? Uh, uh, California, Arizona, Nevada. Started out California, then we just kept going. Uh, it, uh, it was it wasn't really a franchise. We owned them all. It was all family owned. At the height of its powers, how many of those? Six hundred and thirty locations. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah, it sold to um, a company called Cardiz, which was ultimately Checker Cragen, mm-hmm. which then turned into Checker Shooks Cragen, CSK. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah, it sold for uh, three hundred and fifty million. So it was an. It ended up turning into an auto parts. Well, I think I think what happened was is we saw the writing on the wall. You know, as electronics got more popular, you didn't need tune-ups anymore. Right. right. And so, uh, my father and my uncle Andy were pretty much visionaries. They come up with something, you know, take it to the max and get rid of it. So, 
Checker Cragen bought it thinking that they could um, sell car parts in those stores in, in those in, uh, in yeah, the location. It's like 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 Valvoline bought like Easy Lube or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, because they're like, yeah, we're just gonna move yeah, our oil. The, all these places had. You know, they weren't set yeah. up like a store. Right. You know, if you have just a basic strip mall in the storefront, you could make it a, a liquor store or a laundromat or whatever. But this is a little bit different. But God bless him. For it was getting great out timing. It was, like, it was like, hey, I make pagers and I feel like yeah. pagers are coming to the end, you know? Well, like, I'll tell you the closing. The closing was is that um, we had a $35 million deal with Bosch and Champion Spikeplugs wanted the business. And so that's how CSK came into it. We're like, hey, you know, if you want, you have to buy us if you want us to use your plugs. We're like, great, we'll do it. And <laughs> was it, was, was it, you know, you hear about these companies sometimes where they go, you talk about McDonald's, you go, uh, or I'll, I may butcher this a little bit. They go, oh, McDonald's. And they go, McDonald's really about re- owning real estate for the versus selling burgers. Was, was, did your uncle and uh, Uncle Andy own all this real estate and became more about, how valuable the real estate was? It's exactly hit the nail on the head. Everybody thinks we made our money in car racing. We made the money in the real estate. You no, know, car racing right. is where you spend money. Because imagine <laughs> how inexpensive some of this real estate in Arizona was in 1978. You know, or even SoCal. I mean, the crazy yeah. places like, hey, you had one in uh, Encino. You know what I mean on Ventura Boulevard. You know what that lot is worth now? Yeah, right. I mean, it's in- insane. Did yeah. you grow up out here? I grew up in Encino. You <laughs> <laughs> so, little rich kid. I'm yeah. from North Hollywood, <laughs> south of the boulevard. Maybe of course, just dirt damn lots. you! <laughs> it was a, the, the it, it, Ventura Boulevard was like the train tracks. Yeah, you know, being the one, this kid grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I was on the wrong side. Oh, you were on the M and M side. Yeah, you I grew on up the, on, on the eight mile side. Eight mile or whatever. side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we were south side of the boulevard. Everyone yeah. be like this, dude. Where's he living? <laughs> south of the boulevard. That's right. And we didn't have to say what boulevard, Vent. If you live south, you got into the hills. It's still kind of that way. Yeah, but the problem is anything close or north is now through the roof, too. But yeah, Yeah, still. But it still has to be close. If it doesn't kill you, you it makes you stronger. You've got to be able to hear the boulevard. Look at me. Look at me. Yes, I'm very bitter, but I'm strong. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So you grew up. So you. So you. What high school and stuff did you Taft. go to? Taft. Taft, that's a well, good Re- high school. Reseda was the high school for for Encino. It was a bad time with the busing whole thing, right? right. So Taft. Yeah. Buses don't cross the boulevard? No. Uh, <laughs> they, they, Taft was good. Taft was on Ventura Boulevard, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, all right. So now you grow up in this business, Uncle Andy, and uh, we talked about, we're talking about the turbine car, at least off the air, maybe on the air. We talked to Parnelli Jones about the turbine car. Yeah. Turbine is like. It's it's really cool, except for it doesn't really work. But it's still really a cool. It's it's the greatest. Like boy, I wish this worked. Idea. It's, it's basically what socialism is. I've always <laughs> said. Like it's like that would be great, <laughs> except for it never works. It never works. But it still would be great. But you did a turbine vet. Yeah. So the I tur- never knew about that car. Well, the turbine is like ten shows in its own. Obviously, I'm sure right. when you talk to Parnelli about it, he can go on and on as well. But essentially, yeah, the turbine came out '67. That's the one that Parnelli drove then in 68. At Indy. Right, at right. Indy. And right. then in 68, Colin Chapman, who owned Lotus, we put the engine behind the driver and more. And we call it the wedge. Right. 
Those cars were hugely successful. They won tons of races, but again, they didn't win Indy. That's all anybody cares about. Those were the Indy. STP. Those were all STP cars. cars. Mm-hmm. So now I, you know, I got my driver's license in '82, and, and of course, growing up, I used to always take the, the, the wedge out in Santa Monica. My dad would let me drive it up and down the street. So I was like, we need to get this engine. You can do into that a on car. the south side of the boulevard. No, wow. this is Santa Monica. <laughs> Santa Monica. So literally, uh, 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 late '60s era um, Indy car. With a turbine engine in it and no lights, no, but no bumpers, no, no anything, nope, just a turbine car, and he would let you. He Up handed it a shop in where was the shop? Nine two nine Olympic. So he had a shop on the west side in Olympic, mm-hmm. and he let you ride, drive it out on the street. My dad had been there since like the uh, well, actually, all three brothers had been there uh, since like the forties. So. By the time I showed up in the 80s, they had all the police. Everybody was buddies. Everybody knew everybody. We could do no wrong. I was like royalty in Santa Monica. Oh, I hate you so much. God, I hate you. What a contrast. <laughs> Get my dad in here so I can beat him with a stick. So the turbine, this is uh, for people, you know, people say to me all the time, you know, they go, oh, you got those uh, Newman race cars, huh? And I go, yeah, yeah. Hey, you, can you drive those things on the street? I'm can't drive them on the street. No. A fire comes out of the exhaust pipe. <laughs> yeah. They're an inch off the ground. They're louder and shit. But driving an Indy car on the street is obviously nuts. Unless you're in that Stallone movie. That's right. What's driven. Driven. Where he did. Okay. Yeah. Pull the manhole covers. Did you yeah. pull manhole covers straight off? You're going so fast? <laughs> no. no. Okay. But you could fire up the turbine car and they had it at their shop. Yeah, they had them right there. There was like four or five of them. I just so they <laughs> kept all that stuff. Everything. They kept everything, and they said, go ahead and fire it up, and you get in that thing and go up and down Santa Monica Boulevard. No problem. Wow. Actually, Olympic Boulevard. What, yeah, was, the, Olympic. what was the acceleration like? Because I'm guessing uh, it was slow on that okay, car. Here's, let me explain this to you. <laughs> it's interesting that you said that. A turbine car makes like 600 horsepower, which is Okay. Right. But to, by today's standard, that's normal, right? But they make 1,000 foot-pounds of torque. It's called it stall. So if you hold the brake and you step on the gas, the thing has 1,000 foot-pounds of torque right now. So it's got, but it's got to spool up a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Well, you put your foot on the yeah. brake for a reason, if right? You, if you, simply put, if you step on the gas and you never hit the brake, the car... It feels like the ultimate turbo lag. It's got about four. It's got about twenty feet of nothing, and then all of a sudden, it's like you got rear-ended. But if you just hold the brake a little bit, right, and then you Spool bring it instantaneously, right. the things. That's why the cars were all-wheel drive. Oh, because all it would t- light up the rear. It was just so much. All turbine cars torque. were all-wheel drive. This is very interesting because my take on the turbine, or my notion, was always just that it, part of it is from Chrysler and and Jay Leno's turbine car just like my 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 feeling was that it would have horsepower but not torque but you're saying it had a thousand it was the other way around so i would think it would all be at the top of the rpm where it was creating all the horsepower but it wouldn't have the low end but it would and you say all-wheel drive because it had to be because that was another thing that was confusing me which is all-wheel drive is heavy you know, yeah, and, but Parnelli talked about it when he was here. He was and, talking about the and, all-wheel drive. And it's uh, – yeah, I knew I knew it, but it's like it seemed heavy, and it seemed like one more thing to break. And it seemed like why – That's what broke. It, That's what broke. The oh. bearing in the, in the – the engine didn't – when, when Parnelli lost the race, he didn't lose it because the turbine failed. He lost it because a $7 ball bearing in the transfer case failed. So he would give it the throttle, but the transmission wasn't turning. Right, because, <laughs> you know, it's like – 
I, I said to Bruce Kenepa once about the 935s. I said, yeah. this is the edge, the cutting edge of technology from, from Germany in a race car. Four-speed? Why a four-speed? He said, why not? I said, four-speed? What about a five-speed? He said, don't need it. Don't need it. Got plenty of speed and uh, more weight and one more thing to break. And I was like, yeah. okay. Now I now I understand why the cutting edge technology is going with four speed instead of five speed, and so that's what broke the transfer case. Yeah, eight seven dollar ball bearing in the transfer case took it out. Seven dollars back then, but now now it'd be, be like, like thirteen, by like thirteen dollars. <laughs> wow, <so>. and and. <laughs> There was no way to do a two-wheel drive because when you came out of a current turn or whatever, when you got on it, the rear end would come around because it would light the tires up. Too much torque. You go into the corner and you stand on the throttle. As you know, as a race car driver, you go in slow, come out fast. You come into the corner and then a step and you step on the gas, the thing would spin out. And all the testing was done at Riverside. So Riverside, Mario was, Andretti was driving the car originally doing the testing. And he's like, this car is ill-handling. So therefore, it became all-wheel drive. Is it the only indie car uh, in the semi-modern era to have an all-wheel drive? I can't think of any other ones. Um, in the mid, in the early '60s, it was a diesel-powered all-wheel drive, but it was a, talk about a tank. Holy moly, it was wow. heavy <laughs> and it didn't do very well. Right. So that's down on horsepower and torque. so. Well, that would be I don't know. In, I don't a, know. in a weird so <laughs> in a weird way, it was it well, not in a weird way, but it, it was the all-wheel drive that ended up being the death knell of of the car every, every year. Every year. Well, don't forget, 68, 67 is a famous car, right? 68, we had three wedges. So on the pole, two, three. We had the whole front row. Parade lap, car one, car three, zigzagging to heat up the tires. Boom, they take each other out. So on the, <laughs> on the, on the, on the parade lap, we lose two more turbines. Joe Leonard was the guy in the second, in the second position, and then he had the exact same problem in the end. And, the, and we found out after the fact that Andy, the constant promoter, said these cars will run on any kind of fuel. We don't care what it is. So instead of running kerosene, we made a deal with another fuel company. It didn't have enough lubricity in it, and, the, and that's why the bearings would, seal, would, would seize. It was oh, all because we so had that, the room. That was, that was an engine seize, not a transfer. The, the transfer, well, no, it was the fluid that was the oil that didn't have enough lubricity, and it actually seized the bearing in the uh, transfer case. Right, and but, at sixty-eight, you're but right. You it, said it'll run on. It'll run on anything. But yeah. but I'm just trying to get clarity here. So w- w- the fuel, uh, it's a, it's yeah, it's a turbine. It'll run on on anything. But if there's not enough lubricity, I love that name, man. Yeah. That's cementuous <laughs> and scrutineering are my favorite. <laughs> I would like to scrutineer a lubricity competition. Oh. See, just had the most lube in the oil uh, in the gas. So is it like a Two-stroke, in the sense that he made so Andy, the constant promoter, said we won't run kerosene, which is when they say diesel. Oh, sorry, diesel. When they say jet fuel, they're just saying high-grade kerosene, right? Or high-grade diesel. So that's why it smells like diesel when you ever yeah. go out on a tow. Oh, you never flown privately, but and when I fly privately, yeah, I have. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> nice. flew with me. All right. The point is this: he put something else in there. And the lubrication was not good enough. But then how did that do the transfer? So, see, you're the smartest person. You've caught me on that one. (laughs) So in 68, we seized the bearing in the transfer case. 
excuse me, 67, we seized the bearing and the transfer. In 68, we went to the better fuel, and then we, you're right, we seized the bearing in the, uh, in the turbine itself. Oh, so the, other 60, the other way around. The other way around. around. You went to the better fuel. And it, and it killed the, and it killed it killed the, the motor. motor. <laughs> oh, the better fuel killed the motor? Because it didn't yeah. have lubricity. Didn't oh, have oh the better fuel. Right. But so not the like, better fuel. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, man. I, it's, so really, I mean, those turbine cars were snake-bitten because – they really should have walked away with one, possibly two, uh, Indy 500, Indy 500. championship. And, and by the way, the warm your tires up and bang into the other guy, yeah. is my greatest fear in life. <laughs> yeah. some, other, some, some people, it's public speaking. Yeah. For me, it's that warm-up. I'm too yeah. scared to even, I barely do it because it's like, it's whacking another guy or just spinning out on your cold tires, which hey, well, is easily done. In, in the, in the, you're right. And in the vintage racing, you always feel like the guy next to you warming up the tires is driving something 10 times more expensive, right? Yeah. And, and it's like, you don't want to be the guy that knocks the <laughs> real Cobra off the off well, the track. I'm the guy who did the Can-Am race and spun the car out trying to warm up the, the tires. And I wasn't even doing the zigzag move when the vet went off the track oh, the trans am race all i did was yeah, yeah. you said can am oh sorry trans am like, what did you do that yeah you know you don't know everything about me yeah kind of kind of i was in the chaparral <laughs> the vacuum car yeah. Wait, so um, yeah. i, I want to ask about the the corvette turbine car but this okay. is like street car all right, so now what happens is is going working working at stp you know hanging out with my dad and everything there was a spare engine we were always restoring the cars, right? And so as I got older, older, like 10, right, my dad's got me working. Because back in the old days, you, you know, as you, you, living on the north side, you had to work, right? <laughs> yeah, at a McDonald's. Right. So the Not bottom, a turbine car. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's relative. All right. So I was working on the car, and basically we restored a car. There was a spare engine. And I'm like, Dad, I want to put this engine in my Camaro. A gentleman came by, heard us what we were talking about, and he wanted us to put a turbocharged um, – engine in his corvette and my dad was against turbocharging it because of course we owned paxton at the time and supercharge so, right right yeah. so that was like the turbos were the anti right yeah and for those asking a turbocharger and a supercharger we had like a belt driven turbo yeah right so yeah. that was really the difference anyway, bottom line is uh the guy had tons of money and so i convinced my dad to let me put the turbine engine in the corvette and that's how it became for, so, for a customer for a customer his name was herb orlowitz yeah Wow! <laughs> See, there's a car now. You, you and I talked that's about this, uh, you know, at like a SEMA. So event that's like a '76 vet or It's a '78. It's actually the so. uh, pace car edition, right? Now with, those with wheels that are on there, they're centerline s. Okay, those mm. are ugly. Okay, yeah. those yeah. are not the wheels that were on the car <laughs> I when I say. built it. What ha- what you're looking at here is this is a picture from. Uh, Fontana. Yes, it was taken about two years ago when the the latest gentleman came back to me and said, I want you to restore the Lotus Wedge. So I restored the Wedge, which is a 68 car, and this car for him, and he tried to sell them both at Barrett-Jackson for $7 million, and it got up to 6.8, and he turned it down. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wow. he, he, he held his ground. Wow! The... Uh all right, hold on. And, and when, so when, when you're looking at what, there, okay, that, go back. You had center lines on there. Yeah. That's center lines? Yeah, Ray Lipper was my buddy. He, was, he owned center lines, so that was like the cool wheel to have in 1980. I had a buddy named Ray, and he lived in an apartment in Van Nuys <laughs> with his three brothers. 
So that's the way I delivered the car. What you're looking at there is the, what you're looking at there is the way I delivered the car. Yeah. All right. So we're looking at a, uh, a, little, a little bit wait, of a not cor- all got, wheel drive. Got a little Corvette summer in there. Not all wheel drive. Not all wheel drive. And the center line were just the aluminum wheels that were flat. They didn't have spokes in them, if you can picture that. All right, hold on a second, because I have questions now. I have questions about the car at auction. I have questions about why the Chrysler turbine version didn't work. Okay. With all the torque. Hold on. First, I'll tell you about uh, AMS oil. AMS oil. Hey, move beyond performance. AMS oil, synthetic motor oil, combines... Top-tier synthetic technology with unique additives to protect up to 25,000. If only they had some of that in the fuel in 1968. They could have saved the, yeah, 25,000 miles or one year in between uh, oil changing. It shields uh, engine from wear and deposits. Wear on pistons and cam cams lead to loss of power. You don't want that. 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by the industry standard. Piston cleanliness, next to godliness, 93% above the industry standard. Let's go with the best. We love lubrication over here, don't we, man? Lubricity. We love lubricity. (laughs) Tested in the field and on the track in extreme conditions. You're a serious gearhead. Let's go with amsoil.com slash carcast. That's A-M-S-O-I-L.com slash carcast. More info. Get all of it there. They're devoted to protection. All right, so why didn't the Chrysler car work? Two reasons. Number one, turbine engines have no compression braking. A lot of people don't realize, but when you take your foot off the gas, the car wants to slow down. A turbine car doesn't slow down. It just keeps going. Right. And then number two, uh, because it had no compression braking, it was super hard on the brakes. Sure, yeah. But but the real killer was turbine engines put out so much heat that uh, if you – specifically the Chrysler that you're referring to, when you would pull up behind it, it would melt the car <laughs> behind it. Yeah. So it had That's so awesome. much heat. Yeah. And I think that was I think that was the killer. The brakes they could have figured out. Of course the that heat. Could, right. Yeah. What but to do with the heat. Yeah. Put out so yeah. much yeah. Right. yeah. If you're driving one of those GTOs with a plastic front nose. Yeah it would. Well, they, just melt. <laughs> they didn't invent them yet. It would but, look yeah. like the dude in uh, uh, the the uh, the Nazi yeah. in Raiders of the Raiders Lost Ark. Lost Ark. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna give you a funny, <laughs> a quick funny story. Okay. Right. So on the on the Corv- <laughs> on the turbine Corvette that I built, yeah. when when I would pull it out of the driveway every day, one day I came home and I was like, why are all the bushes dead from like three feet down, but above they were high? And what happened was every day I'd pull out of the garage and I literally blasted. Uh, I killed the heat would kill the bushes below. Sure. I did so. the exact same thing. Except for with urine. <laughs> and it was a smaller spot. But if you just take a leak in the same spot in the backyard every day, every day. you will carve out your own Well, the trick niche. is is to go in the same spot all the time. Yeah. That way you, you, know, you and I, we have, we have very similar lives. We have a dead shrubbery. We know a guy named Ray. <laughs> we have basically the same life. Basically the same thing. Oh, we're looking oh. at pictures of this thing. It is unbelievable. So what do you reckon in the... We like to talk about car collecting and value and stuff like that. I can't that. believe you got that thing the, to fit in there. That the guy the brought it to Barrett Jackson when? Couple, couple Twice, years? but it, it was last year. Last year. He wanted seven for the for pair. both. For the pair. What do you reckon each car, how he broke it down, was okay. worth? So the wedge, the 68 wedge, it was car number 60. Um, they valued the wedge at uh, about $6 million. Right, so and then this one he wanted a million. He for wanted the other a million car. for this one, and he couldn't get it. But it's still got to feel pretty good that 
you know, what is essentially, you know, Chip Foose, you know, Chip Foose doesn't get a million dollars for one of his cars and stuff. This is one yeah. that a Granatelli breathed on. And yeah. thus, because there's, you know, obviously a 76, uh, 78 vet, sorry, uh, a 78, 78, yeah, 78. 78 vet is worth seven thousand dollars on a good day <laughs> on a good day so the idea that you know it is the turbine vet is kind of kind of cool that you how old yeah. were you when, when you did that um i was 18 that's pretty amazing i don't know that many guys that could uh tell that i mean my buddy ray yeah but, i mean no, uh, there's your else. ray there's his ray so the, the jet vet so it's they, amazing you the, got it all packaged into the vet like not the the most ideal car for that kind of you know, like it, something with a little more room, maybe. Well, that's the reason why I didn't go in the Camaro. The Camaro was actually stubbier. The Corvette actually had that long, long nose. yeah. And as Adam makes reference to the Corvette Summer, if you actually <laughs> look at the car, the car, we actually did stretch the nose two inches to get it in there. Oh, okay. And, yeah, it does look very right. stretched out. It looks like even more than two inches. But the, uh, the other – so the other part of this that's interesting is that means that that Indy car – is valued at about six million dollars. Parnelli's car was valued at twenty six million. Twenty six. Mm-hmm. Who owns is, it? Uh, it uh, it's a debatable. We think. I think I own it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Miss, Miss, Hold on, count me in too. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, in? Smith, Chris, you want to be in on this? Yeah, Smithsonian Institute thinks that they own it, and then. Um, Indianapolis 500 Museum thinks they own it. No, we and own now it. me and Matt. We own it. Right? We own it, too. No, so no, let's just whack it up five ways and be on. <laughs> so just the, give me $6 million bucks and I'll, I'll start walking. The, sell, the settlement is, is nobody's going to sell it. So we, they, they had to put a value on it for insurance purposes. And when they put the owner, um, I inherited the car. So theoretically, it's, it's really – I believe – I shouldn't say this on air, but I, I think the Smithsonian owns it. I well, think we donated I, I'm, it. I'm willing to sell my share right away. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'll cash out for, I don't know, three nine. I don't yeah, know what yeah. the math is. It, Let's call it four. I'll just hit the road. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, again, our childhoods are getting closer and closer. Yeah. My dad had a Buick Regal that was stolen in 1987. Yeah, is it in the Smithsonian? <laughs> no, no, never made it in. Never made it in. Um, it's, it's there. It's in the parking lot. Hey, but your dad's 87 Buick Regal was probably purchased for about 14, and today it's worth about 27. So think about that. Yeah, he doesn't have it anymore. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Driving a Honda CRV. So, uh, cloth interior. All right. So, that's great. I love, see, because I was a little bit confused because I feel like I saw some, oh, you know, we saw the. Dan Gurney Eagle late 60s mm-hmm. indie stuff come up for auction, and it wasn't that expensive. And so I was surprised that there was that big a chasm between the D- Gurney stuff and the Granatelli stuff. It's promotion. You know, I think, Andy, you hit the nail on the head, the trench coat thing. The Granatelli name, in 1971, the Granatelli name was the sixth most recognized name in the world. It outranked Coca-Cola. Now, I don't know why, but it just shows you what Andy really represented from a marketing perspective. Um, the other thing you had made reference to earlier was the pledge sticker, the Tune-Up Masters pledge sticker. Andy was the ultimate promoter. When we were all kids, we all wanted an STP sticker from the gas station, right? Everybody, right. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So now when Andy you – know, I don't know if anybody knows this. Andy got fired from STP. That was not a happy <laughs> demise. So when he left STP, he was bound and determined to put STP effectively – out of business or show everybody at least that 
Andy made STP. STP didn't make Andy. Right. So Tune Up Masters was the next hurrah, and the pledge sticker was the uh, to show he could get more Tune Up Masters stickers out there than STP stickers. Uh, well, it's like his I'm with her sticker, but it's yeah. here with yeah. Andy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm with Andy. I'm with Andy. I, uh, I said I grew up out here. Uh, north of the boulevard, but uh, I saw that sticker on every other car on the freeway. Like, Did, as, as in you the must 70s. have been to Tune Up Masters. Like, I'm trying to think. I pr- I'm sure when I'm, Papa Corolla was I'm, like, I'm "Hey, sure, Adam, let's I'm go sure get the Tune Up." Well, done. he didn't. It'll be a moment of my, ours. My together. parents didn't do stuff. Like, I don't know. The cars needed to be tuned up, but I don't think they, they ever took went. them anywhere. They never did any. They wouldn't do anything. They didn't have any money. There was this name popped into my head, Max Pata. You're going to have to listen. There was a place that uh, I sh- I'm sure Jr. is going to have have a thought about. There's a place in like. Eagle Rock called Girardi John, and they did like a dyno tune back in the day. Like they would do, oh, they take your Z car and they give it a high performance tune, which is I'm not sure what it was. Advance okay. it a little bit, put right. some better plugs in it, whatever hotter coil or something. They do like a little thing, but it was called Girardi John. The I think it, it, it was. Yeah. They didn't actually have a dyno, right? Do they? I don't know if they. I don't think they would put it on a dyno. Does that name sound familiar? Yeah, I, I know. I know. I've heard of it. I've seen it. The the thing what you're talking about is like the performance tune. They would basically go wide open on the dyno, and then they would advance and retard the timing, and then they would just get. They would raise it up till it detonated, and then they would lock it in. Right. And that was how you get the, the most power you could get. So and then you got to run high a, test gas. You got to run the high octane. Well, back then you could get you know 76 sold like leaded 95 right. octane. What a what a. In, what an insane childhood. So at some <laughs> point, you had three or four of those wedge cars. Yep. Sitting, Car 20, 40, 60, and 70. It was four of them. Sitting sitting over there on off Olympic yep. on the west side. And then they went, eventually, where did they go? I mean, one maybe to the Smithsonian or Indy. Like, how did that work out? The 67 turbine went to Smithsonian. The 68 car 20 uh, went to... Um, uh, Richard Petty, car forty. Richard Petty just later on just bought it. He bought it for his own collection, and then uh, car forty went to Allenser Senior, which is in the Allenser Museum in Albuquerque. Car seventy is uh, at the uh, Chicago Institute of Science. I mean, right, the Chicago. Sure. Okay, and then the other car is. Uh, the dude with the I don't know his name I forgot his name I the guy right. selling it a the guy jacket. with the Corvette was selling it yeah he has that one as a pair very <laughs> oh, wow. in- interesting stuff and you drove those things up and down yeah. Olympic Reggie so- Jackson tried to buy it he didn't couldn't come up with it and then so did Dick Clark originally the first time we built the Corvette everybody wanted the Corvette so you wonder why the va- the vet has value it's probably because it was a Granitelli turbine because right. there was another guy that was putting turbine engines Trans Ams and Camaros and it never made it. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even know that. Well, that's exactly why it's not worth anything. Yeah, that's why it's not worth <laughs> it's not anything. Worth the promotion, the Granatelli name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so now, uh, what do you guys? Let's talk about uh, the the present. What uh, Granatelli Motorsport? Cop online there. Show me the site, Max Pata. 
I'll have to check that out. And that, brag about your company a little bit. Uh, so Grand Italian Motorsports, essentially, I sold Paxson in 1998, and I, w- I needed something to do. So I created Grand Italian Motorsports. The original idea was to uh, really restore the Indy cars and, and you know, kind of trade on the Grand Italian name. But that turned into um, what's called mass airflow sensors. Mm-hmm. And so everybody told me I could not make it selling mass airflow sensors. And I knew then the more people told me you couldn't do it, the more I would do it. And uh, that that's essentially what took Granatelli to the next level. You don't tell a Granatelli he can't. No. Correct. You can't drive a turbine car down Bundy. You don't tell a Corolla <laughs> he can't. That's the difference. <laughs> that's so, the difference. Over mm-hmm. the years, we've developed, we've become strong in the automotive electronic portion. So we make mass airflow sensors and we make ignition coils. And again, I never thought I'd be in the ignition coil business going up against the big guys like Excel or MSD. But we found a niche and it turned into a great business. And today... I would say that the uh, automotive electronics portion is probably 70% of the business, and then we're 30% um, high-end cars. We still build uh, Corvettes, Camaros, you know, whatever, American muscle cars. And you have a dyno cars. shop over there as well. We have, you, we have yeah. probably the most state-of-the-art all-wheel drive dyno, bar none. Oh, yeah. It's got to be all-wheel drive. You're Granatelli. Yeah. I want a turbine in my Prius. That would get us some press. Get Max Leonardo Pat has a Prius. Get DiCaprio. <laughs> all, there. DiCaprio would be all pissed off. Uh, uh, let me. Uh, I'm going to tease uh, my last question for you. Okay. And then you tell me. And Matt, you weigh in as well. All right. Here we are, 2017. And, you know, you have turbocharging and you have supercharging. Yep. And in most things, you have VHS, you have beta. Or you have laser disc and a DVD or whatever it is, but one wins out. It's just better. It's just better technology. Here we are in 2017. This stuff's been around 50 years now. I mean, more, but uh, you know, aircraft, World War II, Mustangs, blah blah blah. But let's just say 50 years of of, of residential use. You know, non non industrial applications, and it's 2017. It's a tie. It's still a tie. Like, yep. I, you know, well, lots of BMWs and modern cars are trying to make their cafe rain in the suit, but there's still plenty of turbochargers, still plenty of supercharging, yeah. stuff like that. You, you just think, like, if you would have got hold of me in 1975, I'd go, ah, it's all going to be turbo. They're going to get away from the belt and the track and the crank and the blah, blah, blah. It's 2017. And tell me, don't, we'll tease it, but do you think it's a tie like I do? Or I'd, I'd yeah. say maybe a little nod to turbo, but not. Not yeah. much. I well, think it'd be follow-up question would be in the aftermarket versus the just kind of overall, you know, the just, OE, just so. overall. All right. All right, and Geico, love me some Geico, man. How about save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance? Why wouldn't you do this, man? Just go to Geico.com, spend a couple of minutes, spend about fifteen minutes, save fifteen percent or more on your car insurance. Who would not? Do this. I don't care what side of Ventura Boulevard you live on. This is a good idea. <laughs> Go to Geico.com. Spend a couple of minutes. Save a couple of ducats. Why not? Yeah. At Geico. Geico.com. All right. Uh, what do you think, JR? Okay. So here's your definitive answer. Turbochargers <laughs> were prominent in the, in the late 70s. You think about like Burt Reynolds with, when he got rid of the 6.6 turbo, tra- excuse me, Trans Am, then they went to a five liter turbo. Right. Turbos were becoming prominent. It's, as you said, belts are tough on production. The problem was is that in the late, in the uh, uh, early, 80s, the turbochargers were killing the catalytic converters, so everybody went oh, back to superchargers. There's now an the, answer. Now the technology has come back again where they can the catalytic converters 
are far more efficient. So now that's why you see turbos coming. He's saying the heat. The heat would the kill. heat from the turbo was killing the cats. Remember, I don't care what you if you yeah. own a Kia or you own the the Lamborghini, the catalytic converter must come with a ten year, hundred thousand mile warranty. It doesn't make a difference what the factory tells you. The aftermarket, excuse me, the EPA cafe says it's got to have a ten year, hundred thousand mile. What warranty. got better? By the way, Tur- or turbos? Are you guys Both. listening? This yeah. is what's called an answer. <laughs> My entire life, I just go, I, I don't know about that. I just said, yeah. dumb, I have people give me the dumbest answers on the planet, yeah. and this is what you called an answer. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. And it's <laughs> yeah. right? Mark here. the calendar. Yeah. Mark the date. Thank God we're recording this. Also, you don't have to know anything to know when you're hearing an answer. This is what I'm trying to say. This is called an answer. Yeah. I get few answers to my questions. So the punchline is is that the smaller the engine, the more, the more inclined you are to having uh, a supercharger because a little engine, like a two-liter engine, it needs a supercharger to have that instant boost. I would think, I see, I would think it would be just I, the you know opposite. I, oh, my God, I said it backwards. You're okay. right. I totally goofed on that. So that's the reason why, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. That's the reason why the bigger engines are supercharged, like like a GT500 or like a, uh, like a new supercharged um, Jaguar. The, the Jaguar is all five liters. Right. Yeah. But, right. You look at, but you look at like the two-liter Audis, Ford they're Fiesta all turbo. Right. They're all turbos. Right. Yeah. And that's the reason you know, why. And, so what and, are we, what are we, how are we breaking it out? 2017, what's the split? Turbo, supercharger. Who wins the battle the most popular? Turbo. Turbo. Turbo's most popular. But Every but BMW is now turbo. Every Mercedes now. Even a por- Porsche. If, if you buy a brand new Porsche non-turbo, it's turbo. It's turbo. Yeah. There's no. a 911 <laughs> with a turbo, then there's a 911 turbo. Right. Yeah. What the yeah. heck? There's yeah. still yeah. a lot of superchargers. But see, in, in the aftermarket world, there's still a lot of superchargers because... They're just they're easier to package and sell. Hundred percent. You know, it's like installing a turbocharger kit on your 370Z is still complicated, and that's why somebody like Steve Millen does like a supercharger kit, right? right. Like just it's still it, so it much right easier up. to install. No All question. Right. Good. Answers. Uh, you can go to Granatelli Motorsports and check out all the cool aftermarket stuff, and just go to the website Granatelli. It's pretty much spelled phonetically. Two A's and a telly over there. Motorsports.com and find out what's going on. You can shoot uh, JR a tweet at Granatelli MS. Are we missing uh, anything, JR? No, you sound great. I appreciate you guys. Check out his shop. He got a sweet dyno. Super informative stuff, man. I, uh, there's nothing like a guy who knows, knows his business. Somebody man. with answers. Somebody with answers. I love that. All right. No <laughs> Safe Spaces. Me and Dennis Prager. You can go check that out. No Safe Space.com. Want to support the show? Go to uh, carcastshow.com. Click on our Amazon banner. If you're going to buy that uh, Granatelli sensor or uh, the, uh, the, Coil, for lack of a better term. Bookmark us and go that way. And Shift and Steer, that's uh, Matt's podcast as well. Corolla Drinks, check that out. Live events, go to adamcarolla.com. Until next time, Adam Carolla for Jared Granatelli and Matt the Moderator DeAndrea saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.
Innocence Trial, an inside look at how the criminal justice system works and sometimes doesn't. Written by Mark Garagas and Pat Harris and narrated by Mike Dawson. Another thing about the Scott Peterson case that has always puzzled us is the widespread, almost unanimous opinion that Scott was guilty before one piece of evidence was introduced. If you examine every high-profile case of the past two decades, O.J., Michael Jackson, Casey Anthony, Robert Blake, the Duke lacrosse team, Dr. Conrad Murray, you'll see that every one of the defendants had some group or constituency that argued on behalf of their innocence. But Scott Peterson didn't. When we took over the case, we soon found out that it was considered an accepted fact that he was guilty. Mistrial. Available now at iTunes, Audible, and AdamCarolla.com.